0: Welcome to Inbound and Down, where we cover tricks and hacks to make your marketing life more efficient from the top of the funnel to the bottom. I'm Ryan. And I'm Adam. Let's get started. Hey there, Adam. Hey, Ryan. How's it going?
1: It's going good. How are you?
0: Good. What are we talking about today?
1: Well, I feel like the theme of this episode is kind of around like eliminating the barriers that people think there are when you start your own business that is like oh man how am I going to do billing how am I going to do my taxes how am I going to do all this stuff and it's really not that hard like I was one of those people um but it's you just figure out one little thing at a time and you just keep layering it in um but yeah what I mean wh- why don't we kick it off and you talk about like The tools you use for billing and the cool things you've done with them.
0: Yeah. So I do billing. uh, I hate billing, but I like getting paid. Mm. So those are two things that go (laughs) hand in hand together. (laughs) Um,
1: The necessary evil.
0: The reality is, uh, you know, one of the things I hated the most about working a full time job because it made no sense to me was like logging hours. Like I'm here and then I go home and then I come back. I'm here for the same amount of time tomorrow, too. Uh, I hated that. And of course, the one thing that happens when uh, you do this is that you have to log every hour that you work, unless you're on a retainer, uh, once you've built some some degree of rapport, uh, then I don't log hours, actually. I, it's just a retainer. So it's sort of on a feeling for me more than anything else, unless the client wants that. Right. But <clears throat> for those who I do have to log hours for, I have some clients who use the same platform I use to track time and do invoices, which is called Harvest.
1: So Harvest does your hours too? Like you put hours right in there yeah
0: so you can i love harvest it's harvestapp.com it's really cheap uh too it's like 10 bucks a month for me and i have two contractors that work with me and they're like five dollars a month so it's really affordable to do um and uh the way that it works is that uh, they each have their own space and you can give certain degrees of permissions to them Uh, And you can have retainers where there's no, again, it's just like a a fixed retainer. So there's no hours getting deducted from the retainer. Mm. Uh, You can have a retainer where it's getting deducted by hours. So the retainer might be for $2,000 and then $100 an hour. So you have 20 hours or something like that. So as you log your hours, you can see that burn rate go down or up, I suppose. And it will give you a burn rate month to month um, in real time. Um, The other thing that I really like about harvest now that i have uh contractors working for me is uh as they track their hours i can see that that burn rate gets incorporated or their hours are incorporated into that burn rate as
1: well so
0: um, i can also set hours for them so i can only i mean they don't it's usually pretty lax so i'll say you know a maximum of 15 hours or something like that a week or whatever um, and i can set that for them
1: and they were already using harvest when you met them no no but it
0: is really easy to pick up okay compare that to another platform that I have to use for a client called TaskRay. Mm. Not a plug for TaskRay coming this way. I do not like TaskRay. <laughs> <laughs> it's Salesforce focused. It's built inside of Salesforce, so oh. uh, there's a huge pro for the for the company for that, right? You can ta- you can align tasks that people are doing with campaigns and like you know everything gets integrated into Salesforce. So that's Harvest doesn't cool. have
1: an API for that. They
0: probably do. Uh, so I don't like TaskRay, so I'm going to go back to Harvest because Harvest has an API for loads of stuff. So what I actually end up doing is um, the client that I have in TaskRay, I have to manually enter time. So I have to um, I have a bit of an automated workflow for entering time into my own account. Um, and then I have to manually enter it into the ta- into TaskRay for that client. My uh, couple of other clients, though, they use Harvest as well. Now, you'd think that sounds really awesome, but one thing that Harvest hasn't figured out yet is how to link two separate Harvest accounts together, (laughs) which is silly. Guys, get on that. Um, So what ends up happening is that theoretically, I'd have to enter my time and then enter my time again in their Harvest account. No different than it would be with the other clients, right, with TaskRack. But they do have super cool APIs, and the APIs um, connect with Zapier sapier.com i think it's about 20 bucks a month it was like 240 dollars for the year for me and i ended up buying it because it saves me hours and then, of sorry, time
1: how much is harvest a pay app too
0: harvest a paid app well you can use it for free um all of your invoicing you can do all of your invoicing for like three projects which is effectively a project as a client effectively mm-hmm. um for free so mm-hmm. i used it for free for about a year mm-hmm. until i grew too much and then um I had to pay for it and I really didn't have a problem paying for it because it tracks your invoice going out. So you send it out through a harvest. So all the time that you've already worked, it tracks all of that. Obviously it tracks it against your retainer, or it just tells you you you're putting your hourly rate and then it tells you how much the client owes at the end. You send the invoice at the end of the month, if that's how you do it. Um, and it all goes out through harvest and then harvest tracks the amount of time that it takes for them to pay the invoice. So you know that it's a net 30 or a net 15 pay, and then, um, it'll warn you, when they're getting close to it being due and then it will automatically send them emails every three days after the due date to remind them that they're supposed to. Just pummel them with. Yeah. I set it to every hour. <laughs> 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 it works though. <laughs> they never worked for me again, but it works. I get paid <laughs> that one time. Yeah. So you can change the frequency that you want. So yeah, I have it set really for cool. every three days. Um, so what I did with uh, Zapier was uh, they have, it's a, basically like an API connector. So it says like, um, if something happens in one platform, then uh, then connect it to this other platform and make something else happen in the other in the second platform. So I uh, use that to connect the two harvest accounts together. <laughs> so um, I've built quite a system and you can do tiers as well so you can do like full workflows It's not just if something happens then make this other thing happen. You can say if, The first item happens if I log a new time calendar uh, entry in my calendar. So in my workflow, as I'm working, I'll block off two hours to do some work and I'll say what I'm doing in the name of the calendar invitation that triggers a zap on Zapier which triggers a new time entry in my Harvest account, which triggers a new time entry in my client's Harvest account automatically. <sighs> so let me give you an example of this in real time. Yeah. So I was sitting on the couch the other night, uh, like a Friday night, and I'm wrapping up my time. My wife's sitting next to me, and I'm just losing my shit because I'm filling in uh, I'm filling in task ray, wanting to rip my hair out because um, there's just no easy way to see the total number of hours Total, the total number of hours across all different types of tasks. Um, and a Harvest makes it so much easier. You can run reports, you can export the reports. It's so simple. Um, so I have Harvest up, my Harvest up in one side and I have Tasker on the other side and I'm counting the meetings and the days and I'm comparing the two to make sure that they all line up. And if there are discrepancies, then I make sure that I understand where the discrepancies are. With task it's all over the place because I'm manually entering it in. It took me about 40 minutes to go through For, you know, maybe it was two weeks, I don't know, two weeks worth of um, time that I had to track when I went and did it for Harvest. I logged into the other to the other client's account and I put my Harvest up and I put their Harvest up and it was exact. And so I logged in and took five seconds and I was Hmm. like, oh, great. So 40 minutes. Wow. It saved me.
1: That's amazing.
0: And then I got to enjoy my family time. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing.
1: If I was still charging clients hourly, I, I would definitely make the switch to Harvest. Sounds really cool.
0: So you're doing all retainers now?
1: Yep. There's a few onesie twosies that, uh, you know, like favor clients that I'm working on with friends of friends and stuff like that, that are, they, they just, they, they don't need a retainer. They just need like a setup. Um, so, but yeah, all retainers. And so I use bill.com, a combo of bill.com and just Google sheets. And um, it's, f- <laughs> the exact opposite of everything you just said <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's not smart it's very sort of just cookie cutter it it only reacts to what i put into it um it can do some things like recurring um invoices which i've always wanted to try and just so i never have to send another should, invoice. I,
0: I do that i do that with one of our join clients So
1: how do you change, because like every invoice, I like to say, okay, this is for February or this is for March. Like, can it, can it do? Well, no,
0: but the date of the invoice defines that, I guess. Um, it, it generates, I'm sure bill.com does this, but harvest will generate an individual (laughs) invoice number. So it'll generate an invoice number per invoice. So I know that this invoice came after or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I can't say for, this is for February, this is for March or April or whatever.
1: And then, um, the other thing it doesn't do, which I know you've told me about Harvest does in the past is, is like it, it, it exports easily for taxes, right?
0: It depends what you're trying to do, I guess. I mean, it will just give me a, it, I have, they have all these great reports. Can you put like expenses You can track expenses. You can track expenses per client. You can track billable versus non-billable stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of expenses for clients because I don't travel all that much right now, but if I did, that's what I would do. I would track it in there. Um, and, uh, and then I would invoice for that stuff, too, because that would be useful for chat, for taxes if you get audited to show that this stuff wasn't revenue. It was, you know, reimbursement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does all of that stuff.
1: That would be interesting. And that might be how much was it? Hmm. Uh, uh,
0: it's 10 bucks a month. Huh. Uh, I think it was like 124 bucks for the year.
1: Yeah. And it bill.com doesn't do any sort of fancy reporting or whatever. I just do it like manually in Google Sheets. So, like. I'd like to. I'd like to graduate from Google Sheets a little bit. So maybe, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. I'll it's, try it, man. I'd, I'm a <laughs> you huge. You converted
0: me. I know that I'm hammering the point in, but just to bring it home, uh, their support is incredible. And uh, even with the API calls that I was trying to do, I was trying to do stuff where I needed like API keys and stuff, and it was far more complex. Zapier just wasn't capable of doing what I needed it to do. But Harvest made it possible, and Zapier made it possible via the use of new API keys. So I contacted them, and they were super helpful. And they actually call you. You submit a request, and they'll give you a call at a certain time. They tell you what time they're going to call. You schedule a meeting. They'll walk you through it all. Awesome. That's really absolutely cool. awesome. Um, so I highly recommend that stuff.
1: One of my goals for this year is to <clears throat> to really start to harness technology, and because I I've always been just sort of like uh, untrusting of it, and just lazy to learn a bunch of like little technology things like Harvest that could really help you out, even though it's going to save you, um, you know, minutes on the hour, I guess like that does add up and it eventually it's worth it. Um, but same, like same things as like reporting tools and, um, just other things to, to make my outfit look a skosh more profesh. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's my goal for this year so I'm putting it putting it over the airwaves now to make it uh make myself accountable but your reporting is
0: is far more advanced than I think you just gave yourself credit for
1: yeah i I well the clients that you and I work together on are um it's it's fine for them, but others they need sort of the bells and whistles, which is weird. I feel like you know I feel like clients who know more about reporting need less but (laughs) (laughs) they need less reporting because they their kpis are very specific and as long as you're hitting your kpi it doesn't matter what it looks like if it's in a fancy dashboard or if it's in a spreadsheet Mm. um but the sort of the the clients who have less of a grasp of kpis what the actual needle movers are they you need you need to wine and dine them with the (laughs) with the fancy graphics a little bit (laughs) um what
0: do you use for that because you have a couple tools that you use
1: yeah for. i use data box right now and it's pretty good um but again i haven't given it enough of my time to to work it out but it, it it plugs into facebook ads hubspot um adwords uh not google sheets yet and not salesforce so that's two big ones that that slow me down but i mean just being able to connect those three ones that i just mentioned is is hugely helpful and i just need to flesh it out like I feel like I always put that stuff last on my to-do list.
0: Well, it's and, hard to put it first. I, exactly. I mean, like it's not I billable would, work to it, get this stuff up and running. Exactly.
1: It's it's a nice to have, so it's I always focus on edu- uh, you know, execution and and doing my weekly calls with people and just making sure that they're happy and you know, rarely will they say, you know what would make me happy is a fancy dashboard. Um, so <laughs> that's why I just never but I I think it really would give um you know, a nice polish to the company of, you know, when I'm bringing new prospects on, it's, it's, you know, because eventually word of mouth referrals are going to, well, maybe not, maybe they'll keep going, but you know, I have to plan for the day where I'm actually out there sourcing my own leads. So it's not something that people always farm out for automation and database work. Like they have in in in-house people where PPC is like the easiest thing to farm out. Right.
0: Ever. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You do have that advantage. Yeah, PPC and I mean, automation too, but PPC definitely has a very broad spectrum of clientele that you could have and still have, you know, the the kinds of retainers that you want to get. But automation definitely requires uh, a specific type of company. Mm -hmm. Uh, It requires a certain amount of revenue, requires a certain amount of funding. Um, For me, for me, my target is five to 10 million in revenue. They have the money to, um, they have backing to have the money to get the tools that they need and to get the expertise that they need, but they don't necessarily actually have the expertise that they need. So they're also at that point where it's not quite enough to have like a full marketing team. Um, They spend more money on sales than they do on marketing, Mm. definitely. Um, And those are the ideal clients because it's not that they don't recognize that they need marketing, but marketing costs money, which is bullshit by the way because marketing may cost money it also makes money Mm -hmm. but uh it can be very expensive uh, at the same time you know so um but uh speaking of that you know the first thing that i did when i wanted to start a company was build a website because i thought well that was the way that i would do it i would generate inbound leads i was like i can do this this makes perfect sense this is what (laughs) i do this is what i do for a living yeah. yeah
1: we've been practicing it for 10 years
0: um I haven't generated an inbound lead from the site yet. I'll be honest. I mean, it has only been three months, to be fair. uh, And I'm not trying wildly hard.
1: Well, maybe this podcast will really turn things.
0: Maybe that'll be this is this is the new lead generation tool that we're trying. Um, What has worked, though, is LinkedIn.
1: So take me through that again, like, because I know you have a pretty cool process.
0: I don't know how much I want to share this so regrettable when everybody starts stealing my clients so here's how it's worked
1: this this is this is the hack of hacks the hack of
0: hacks (laughs) hacks. uh so (laughs) so what i ended up doing was uh linkedin has a couple of really great search functions in it and um you can look at uh, you can do a job search, right? So you're looking for like marketing. Most people would search for like marketing manager or uh, ops manager or something like that, right? Or, or PPC, whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't search for those things. I search, I use LinkedIn jobs. That's how I've gotten almost every single client, all except for one and that one, uh, which are they're huge clients too. And the one that I didn't use LinkedIn for, I literally filled out a contact us form on their website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's That's amazing. Great. Absolutely amazing. Um, that was after I had a call with their recruiter, a recruiter for them. And the recruiter told me I was too expensive. There was no way that the company would take me. I it just wouldn't work out. And I said, uh said, okay, thanks. No problem at all. And now that I knew what they needed, I just sent them a message on their contact form and I said, I do exactly what you need me to do. And I got a call and I got the job on the phone. It was hilarious. Um, but otherwise, uh, the way that I use LinkedIn is I search for the products. So I use Pardot uh, Eloqua, Marketo, HubSpot, uh, MailChimp, if you twist my arm, but normally MailChimp, I would just convince you to go use a different platform. Uh, sorry, MailChimp. Um, and, uh, so I search for the products instead. And, uh, then LinkedIn has a function called apply on LinkedIn or apply with LinkedIn or using whatever. It doesn't matter. Hmm. And you can filter on only job applications that use that function. So what I tend to do is I'll put, um, put a show on or something. I really hate prospecting. I just really. I
1: love do. that putting a show on is part of your prospecting. It is. Put, like the part but of- every time we've
0: talked about this, I start with putting a show on.
1: <laughs> it's, it's very integral to the hack. It is. It is. Because right. it's my least. I, uh, I start in the, the low networks, ABC, NBC. Then I work my way
0: up. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I start with uh, I, I, Psych. I just watch Psych <laughs> nonstop. It's just my favorite show. Nice. Sean Spencer. So, um, so what I what I do is I, I throw a show on. Uh, it's like an hour, so I like it's basically like a timer is really how I use the show. I, I don't see. even really get to watch okay. it because you have okay. to focus on doing it. I have a great cover letter. Uh, it just has a picture of myself and an arrow that says, "This dude's awesome. You should hire him." That's the cover letter. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it covers um it covers the numbers that I've hit. It's it gives some examples of you know on a retainer I do this and you know they the numbers are all we'll be percentages specific,
1: not like share actual numbers but like giving the idea of um like a, a cover letter that that includes numbers yeah I because like that I've actually just real quick I've been uh, on my LinkedIn it says I'm a numbers guy you know which I threw in there like sort of. You know, tongue in cheek, but like I've been in a job interview before, and the guy's like, "Oh, <laughs> there's no numbers in your LinkedIn profile, but you're a numbers guy." And I'm nice. Like, I was like, "Dude, you're taking that so literally." But, <laughs> but, should, but shouldn't he? I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Like I, I I wasn't I wasn't blessed with this great cover letter. I
0: don't know that I I don't know that I disagree with him. I'm kind of excited that he called you out on it. I,
1: I just. It, it it totally caught me off guard, and I was just like, "Well, am I supposed to just broadcast on my LinkedIn profile like, uh, just you know, sort of random like I hit this two x three x like stuff like that? I don't know. I do. So, so that's what this cover letter is.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's funny. I'm looking at my LinkedIn profile right now because I wonder what I have in there. But um, yeah, absolutely, no joke. So. Uh, for example, uh, let's these are some these are sort of weak KPIs. I'll admit this was from a few years ago. Uh, LinkedIn profile: uh, we increased or well, that's not a bad KPI. Increased organic traffic by forty five percent. Increased blog traffic uh, across all mediums by two over to hundred um, percent. Increased returning blog visitors by ten percent throughout the growth. Um, so. Those are some numbers that are in my LinkedIn profile, but in the cover letter, it's specific to KPI. So um, the number, uh, the customer acquisition cost uh, is a major KPI for one of our clients. And it's a constant, we're always talking about what's happening with our customer acquisition costs. Is it going down? Luckily, it's always going down. <laughs> We've done a good job getting it to always go down. So I have that decreased by so much. Uh, number of closed one deals. Last year for the same client, we increased the number of closed one deals by 136%. So that was some pretty substantial growth. So that's in my cover letter. Mm. So I think that it's uh, number of demos requested. Um, it's all for this one particular client, actually. The number of demos requested, we have um, the customer acquisition cost uh, deduction because it's going down, uh, or change, I suppose, um, the number of close one deals, um, things like that. Uh, cool. Average the increase of the average deal size. The average deal size have gone up for them. Costs, so everything is going right for them. That's a really great, a really great example. I've always been a fan, though, of quantitative, well, quantitative data. I guess that's <laughs> kind of stupid, though. I mean, just quantitative answers. So, um, if you ask me what I do and how I do it, then I'm going to give you examples using numbers because they are the most finite kind of thing that i have to Mm -hmm. show you especially for somebody who doesn't understand what it is that i do um which happens all the time i'll talk to prospects and they're like so what what is it that you actually what would you say you do here
1: what what would you say you do here
0: such a prime opportunity
1: i I had it teed
0: up (laughs) i know you stole it from me i'm sorry (laughs) i know i'm sorry um and uh so that, that really comes down to, okay, let me give you an example. We have, um, what I don't handle is like the organic and the paid. So getting visitors to your website is not what I do. What I do is getting people who are visitors on your website to convert. So we have conversion rates, we have, um, cost per conversions that can come in both from organic. I mean, you can kind of calculate a cost per conversion for organic. If you're thinking about how much you're paying somebody to get people to the website Uh, and obviously paid, you certainly have that too. Right. Um, So the conversion rates, uh, the totals for those, and then that they get nurtured. So you have things like the, the email, the user experiences through the email, and that is all qualitative. It's not quantitative. So it's very difficult to, well, it's not super hard to talk about, um, We build a user experience for every single user path. So you have people who get an email, the subject line aligns to the body copy, the body copy aligns to the CTA, the CTA aligns to the landing page and the submit button on the form on the landing page and the form header aligns to the subject line of the email and everything comes together into this beautiful bundle And that is all qualitative. What's quantitative is the actual conversion rates and the engagement rates of those emails. And so I can give those. So that's what the cover letter really covers. So
1: how, um, and sorry, I'm just kind of jumping around, but like how undervalued, like when you come into like a new prospect, like how undervalued do do you think that their sort of nurture process is? Like by and large, do you see that people have something running and there's... Um, it just needs some tweaking, or do people ignore it altogether and they're focused on net new prospect acquisition? Like
0: yeah, so it's so it's so varied, right? But if we talk about just that five to ten million in revenue, even if maybe a little less than that, let's like they say three to seven or something. Sure. Okay. No. The answer is like flat out no. Um, for all the clients that I've had in that area, they've Uh, one is how to nurture running. The other one's paying 1200 bucks a month for Parda and they're literally not using it at all, except to send a newsletter, which you could do with MailChimp. Yeah. Um, so the, the opportunity is huge. That's why I really like that, Mm. that range because then the numbers, the numbers are definitely big because, uh, we're good at what we do. Um, because you could really screw it up too, (laughs) right? I mean, you could really screw it up as well. Um, but the numbers are also big and inflated at the same time because of the clients that I fit really well with. So um, some of that is is definitely intentional, but it's also a really good fit for my skill set.
1: So it's, um, I mean, most of these companies that are generating three to seven million, they have traffic coming in, they have leads coming in. So it's sort of like a no brainer that you don't need to redesign your website. You don't need paid. You need...
0: You need, need to do something with what you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You
1: need to keep manage house and, you know, put yeah. in, do something. And it's so
0: simple. It's, it's, it isn't straightforward to people who aren't doing it. And it's not necessarily supposed to be. Like, people don't think. I was just having a call with uh, an intern from one of our clients this morning. <laughs> I was having a call with him. And we, we were talking about writing email copy and thinking about how to build email copy. And this user experience, right, that I just kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. I was saying people don't think actively think and realize that the subject line was relevant to the call to action in the email, and the call to action in the email matches the submit button to some degree, uses the same verbiage uh, on the submit button on the form, and the form header has immediate relevance to a sentence from the email. Nobody thinks about that when you're looking at a when you're going through that process. Isn't it's that just the- part of human nature to go through the process. But I will tell you with absolute certainty that doing that versus having it be even slightly off mm. is a positive impact. Um, and not paying attention to it as a marketer is you're absolutely stuck. Like you're shooting yourself in the foot. immediately. So if
1: you spend um, the lion's share of your email writing time on the subject line and sort of hack your way through the body copy versus the other way around, the subject line you're saying is just, it trumps all.
0: I think it does, but you're not doing yourself any favors if you leave five minutes to write the email copy because you spent <laughs> I know you know you spent fifty-five minutes writing the subject line. I know that that wasn't the point of what yeah. you were saying, but let's just like let's not forget about that. Um,
1: <laughs> that would be a fun A B test though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my yeah, definitely the, the takeaway is that there isn't an easy way to just snake around it.
1: That would so if we if you we know? took two marketers had one spend an hour on the subject line, the other spend an hour on the body copy, and then they get 30 seconds to write the other thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be an interesting test because I'd love to
0: see, because here's here's why it only matters so much. Let's say that you have a thousand people to send an email to, okay? A solid email open rate is between 10 and 20%. 20% you're really knocking it out of the park, Let's shoot for 10 to 10 to 15% or something. But for the sake of my terrible math, we're going to use 10%. So you have a thousand people that you send an email to and you have two different emails. One is a, uh, one is a great subject line with terrible body copy. One is, uh, uh, or let's just say great subject line and adequate body copy. doesn't make any sense to do it any other way. Realistically, um, Uh, The other one is an adequate subject line. Maybe it doesn't have a really great uh, call to action. doesn't have any action words in it. It doesn't use any numbers or, you know, it it doesn't really elicit any sort of interest or emotion or whatever. But the body copy is like really right on par. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're really hitting it out of the park with the body copy, right? The important thing is not, it's not where it lives. The reason why it's so important that you have it consistent and good throughout is because you get a 10% open rate. Now for both of them, let's say, well, okay, let's say for the good subject line, you get a 10% open rate, okay? You're down to 100 people. Um, And then let's say that you get like a an, an 8% open rate or something like that. You lose a couple of percent on the not so good subject line. So now you're at 80 people, right? So you're at 80, 80 versus 100. But well, what happens if that subject, at that body copy is good enough that it converts three or 4% higher, than the body copy from the other email. So even though you have 100 contacts actually reading the email Mm -hmm. versus 80, if you convert 3% of those, that's terrible. And if you convert 6% of the 80, then you now have more people actually getting to your landing page or to wherever you're taking them than you do with the better subject line. So these are things that people don't think about all that often, Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's so important to have some real consistency. But-
1: I, I back when I was full time and I had, was writing email I never put really any thought like the, the subject line it's was the last good to for all your companies <laughs> 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 like the subject line was the last thing you would write the email and then you'd kind of send it around your team and like and as you're writing the email to send it around to your team you sort of say and these are the subject lines I'm thinking about you know and you, you throw like two versions in there but I just thought about those just as I'm writing this email right. to you um, I mean,
0: I don't really think that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, let's have a subject line. Let's have a subject line meeting everybody. That sounds great. I don't, I mean, I don't do that. Um, it definitely, you get inherently you better. Sure? <laughs> Listen, just because I have it on my calendar. Um, but uh, how, how about you? I mean, you you had a really great question for me, which was um, how many of your clients have it together when you're starting on new clients? How does How does that work for you? I mean, do you, is it that they're doing they're doing it, but they're doing it in such a messy or inconsistent way that they're not that they're ending up spending more money than they should or or whatever? Or
1: I think the beauty with paid is that they know they come to me when shit's broken. Uh, I mean, that's why they're coming to me. So and it's so easy to see if shit's broken with paid because you're like, OK, last quarter we spent X and we got Y um, and assume those numbers are atrocious. That's why they're reaching out to me. Um, so I would say for the most part, you know, people don't, they, they don't have anything great going on. It's, you know, it's mostly train wrecks when I log in there. Um,
0: just put it, put it to me softly, train wreck. All right. (laughs) Just don't let it sting too hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a train wreck, Ryan.
1: <laughs> don't worry, it's just a train
0: wreck. <laughs> <laughs> no, the train's not on fire everywhere. Right. It's just it's just crashed.
1: I mean, the bottom line is they know it's terrible and that's why they're talking to me. Yeah. So, they they already know. Um so um I mean, it it's it's easier when clients come to me like that rather than a client who's had a professional set up their account. I can't really add too much value to that because in in PPC adwords specifically like it's 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 really dependent on the the what market you're in um if you're searching for consumer products b2c or b2b tech and once you get into b2b tech and there's um you know you get into these really obscure markets there's only so much you can do and when a professional i can always tell when a professional has managed an account prior to me um it, the there's not a lot of value I can add. So I'll literally tell them there's not a lot of value I can add. It's not worth, you know, purchasing me. So, yeah. um, you know, you're better off training, taking an entry level person on your team, getting them AdWords certified and just letting them manage it. Um,
0: I think that, that that is a huge positive thing uh, to hear from a consultant is that, you know what, I? you're really not that far off and I am just not the right person for you.
1: Yeah, because I want it to be a long – I almost said long-distance relationship. I want it to be a long-term relationship too, and the long-term relationships are the ones where uh, you're constantly adding value and you're sort of keeping the – you're keeping the account breathing, Um, whereas if if a professional has already come in and set up everything um, and you're in sort of like an obscure market there's not a ton of maintenance to do like if if you 've gotten it this far, um somebody entry level can come in there and you don 't have to worry about them breaking anything because um, there's things like Google AdWords Editor that lets you undo everything mm. um, so yeah, I mean if i can't add value i I kind of don't want them as a client, obviously because Um, like I said, I work for retainers and, um, that model doesn't work if you only get one to two months out of somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I just said to a prospect the other day that I I just didn't think that I was the right fit. I was like,
1: you're not, it's not that
0: I couldn't do something, but you're just not quite ready for it yet. So like it, it would, I could coach for a few hours on what they should do to be prepared, and that would carry them for a while until they really had the lead volume coming in that they wanted coming in to make it worthwhile.
1: It's win-win saying that because you don't take on somebody who's going to take cycles out of your day that you'll inevitably just lose because you're not adding value. And they're like, wow, that guy really tells it like it is. He, he's a great contact to have. And then, you know, I'd give it a really solid Chance that they will reach out to you in the future. So yeah. it's 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 a great little consultant trick to to, to turn people away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a funny concept that
0: turning work away is so powerful, but it really can it really can be. I mean,
1: we're both fortunate enough to be somewhat near capacity, so it your 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 strategy has to evolve to something like that. Rather, than when we were first getting going, that's the last thing on your mind. You, yeah. You'll take on anyone, but that's how you learn that. You don't want to take on anyone, but you can't really do that in the beginning. So it's, you know, I think now we're at the point where you you kind of have to shift to a different strategy.
0: Right. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is process of actually billing it and figuring out how I'm how like how I'm going to charge a client. Um, Because for me, it seems like you you're going to the retainer. Uh, I would love to go to the retainer off of the bat. It's a little more difficult when you're talking to like cold. Why is that?
1: Why is it? Why is the retainer hard for you?
0: It's hard because for two reasons, I want a retainer to be mutually beneficial. That's where a retainer is really good. So uh, mutually beneficial for me means they might burn hot one month uh, in terms of the number, the amount that I'm working, but then they're cold the next, and or they or we hit it right on the money for what I expect that I'm going to be doing, and they're not in my hair more than. Um, more than I have time for, and I'm not in there. So, you know, whatever. So there's, there's a mutual agreement there that I think is the hardest part. And that's more of a personal thing, honestly, than anything else is it sort of holds me myself back. Um, the other reason why I find retainers to be difficult is, uh, that there's definitely a trust factor to a retainer. Um, I think a retainer is much easily to much easier to achieve off the bat when you, uh, have a referral. Uh, Because there's that trust is out of the way. Mm -hmm. The majority of my companies, like I mentioned with LinkedIn, um, is we were flying through and I'm just applying with LinkedIn and submitting the resume. Uh, And then I'll talk to anybody who bites and I'll typically talk to 10 percent of the companies that I submit resumes to. And I'll almost always convert at least one of them. Almost every single time that I that I go through the process.
1: Um, And it's tough to just go from, you know.
0: Uh, literally no, click, nobody knows. Yeah. Me. Click,
1: yeah. Uh, click on a LinkedIn profile to retainer. So,
0: yeah. So I find that pretty difficult. Um, you know, the other, the other thing is that it depends on, it depends on like the, it just depends on so many things. Uh, one of the other things I started doing recently for myself, this is a, I think actually a really great trick for people who are just getting started is to find somebody who would be a competitor of yours who's much bigger, like an agency. Um, I don't really consider myself an agency. Um, I think that there are a lot of negative connotations in my head that come along with the, an agency. I think maybe you too. A, a lot so of the, my tagline is the
1: anti-agency. The anti-agency. <laughs> that's right. How did I know that? Um,
0: and, uh, and the biggest reason is because an agency, it feels more like a farm than any like real good strategy and thoughtfulness. Behind it, it feels more like we are just going to churn this out, and you will pay us to do this work that you're not doing. That's not really how I feel about what I do, because I really enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And the consultants that work with me really enjoy what they do too, and they're very good at it. So, for me, the reason that's that's another big part of the retainer is that what I ended up doing was this year I decided that I wanted to grow quite a bit. Um, I effectively wanted to grow my revenue sixty percent. Which is really difficult to do when you're one person. <laughs> so, um, so I was trying to figure out how to do that. And you have two options, right? I and mean, we have this conversation a lot with clients. How do we make more money? Well, you either get more deals in uh, at the same price that you're doing uh, per deal, or you increase your you increase your deal size and you don't have, you put less pressure at the top of the funnel if you can increase your deal size. And that's just the reality, isn't it? So I have the choice. I can either have 10 clients at at two grand a month and that would be killer, right? 20 grand a month, who who would complain about that? Uh, I would also shoot myself in the face because I can't imagine having 10 (laughs) clients at once. (laughs) Um, Alternatively, uh, I can have five clients at four grand a month if I can pull that off. And now you are doing half, it's not really half the work, but it's definitely half the project management Mm. um, and the client management. And so that helps a lot.
1: I mean, imagine if you had, and I know it's, it's tough to get to it, but like, I don't know, maybe we could figure out a way. Like, imagine if you did have four clients a month at, or sorry, was it five clients a month at four grand? How, how, how could you get from where you are now to doing that on retainer? Like, even if it's like a ridiculous idea.
0: I mean, you could, you could. Right. I mean, the reality,
1: though, what is if you just said it one day, like, guys, I'm moving to retainer. What do you think would happen?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, what I was going to say, though, is that with the agencies, it's very difficult to do that with the agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason why I'm but alone, you're not an agency, but I'm working
1: with agencies. I see. So what oh, I ended up doing this year, I
0: see, I see. but yeah, so what I ended up doing this year was thinking to myself, I have to. Uh like I said, I really don't like prospecting. Um, I love talking to new people. That's awesome. But the salesy part, I just really hate the salesy part. Um, no offense salespeople. Um, so I ended up looking up two agencies and that's all that I had to do. And I think that'll hit my 60% growth, that's amazing. uh, with two agencies rather than going out and finding all these more, all these extra clients. Um, and that was a killer because all of that work gets done, all of the prospecting work gets done by a salesperson who gets paid by the agency. Mm -hmm. And then I just get the work and I get paid by the agency too. So it's a huge win-win. What I learned though, the only downside to this uh, was that they, sales guys there, their job is to get as big of a deal as possible with as big of a client as possible. That does not fit into my three to five million dollar model, three to seven million dollar model. So the clients that I have through the agencies are, you know, tens of tens of millions, and for one of them, like ten billion in revenue for one of the clients, which is insane, you know. And um, even though the project that I'm working on for the really large one, it is a it is a company wide, eighty five thousand employees, multiple countries, a company wide initiative that it impacts that is a lot of stress. Mm. <laughs> um, and so the thing that's come along with this growth, which is really good is a lot of stress because, mm-hmm. um, instead of dealing with realistically, uh, one main stakeholder for most of our clients, right? For the most probably one person who we really owe it all to, uh, that's not the case anymore. Now it's managing, um, multiple vendors cuz these these types of companies don't just hire us <laughs> they hire they hire yeah. six companies to do the work instead yeah. right so multiple vendors with multiple needs and requests and problems and roadblocks and it's a huge headache sometimes so that comes along with it but that's all part of the growth i guess
1: yeah i mean i've been i, I definitely agree the more you grow the more stressful it gets and you start hiring and get more stressful it gets and you start you know, taking on more responsibility, obviously. Um, but uh, I mean, I wonder if, sorry, back to the, the, the pricing thing. Um, I wonder if you could do something where it's like, I, you can't, bo- like, because I know you do like a block system where you buy a block of hours. I yeah, blocks you- of hours. Like you can't buy more. Like after your third block buy, we move to retainer or something like that. I like that. <laughs> and you graduate people through, and you know you kind of like keep reminding them. That way, you never have to send that email that says I'm moving to retainer. They know it's coming, right? Um, yeah,
0: I like that. I like that idea a lot. It's very smart. Again, for the agencies, it just won't work because what ends right. what ends up happening uh, is I have consultants who work for me for the agencies, and I just know that the that I know what I make, what the company makes. It's not really what I make. I know what the company makes, my company, and I know what the company pays the employees or the, the consultants, um, and I know what the overhead is mm. to do that. And so I can do that math. And it's very simple because I never lose money on mm. it. If they work another hour, then the company still makes money. Yeah. Um, and it's just up to the client on whether or not they want us to continue working. Uh it, when it's just me, I would love to move all my all of my individual clients where I just work on them to a retainer. Yeah, um, I think that's a tricky part too for me, is saying like if I do move to retainer, then I have to figure out how that impacts me if I end up hiring other people to do the to do the work, um, and how willing I am to go over because then the client doesn't pay more, I pay more if somebody works more than they're supposed to or, or needs to or you know whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so all of those things are. It's interesting so, stuff.
1: Yeah, um, and I just wanted to say on the paid front, I have a client too um, that's an agency, and there, there's I, I was trying to think of it while you were talking about your experience. Like, I don't think there is a drawback on the paid side because whether you're working in a an account that is, you know, they're they're spending five hundred dollars a month versus what you're spending, you know, ten thousand dollars a month. It's still the same throughput of sort of account maintenance so if you if you have them on retainer and you're it doesn't really matter what account you're in like obviously there's some you know strategy you have to take into consideration
0: you might be building more ads for them yeah you know, we were just talking today about that one client that you're potentially looking at it has a much larger mm. account effectively than some of your other clients because they're doing highly targeted groups and that's those all individual work isn't
1: it right but um but like to me like that it's such a fantastic model that i sort of like fell ass backwards into and i was like <laughs> well, this is cool um cuz you don't have to do any of the client calls which is the most time consuming thing that's
0: see i got to do all of it yeah oh, it's exa- so. it's exhausting it's a lot of work uh and just do, making that change um, um there'll be times uh when i literally have three different platforms open at the same time some two are for the same client because we're doing migrations or something so they're working in both platforms then I have a third one because I get another email coming in on one screen from another client and then I get (laughs) dragged away to that email and it is so difficult sometimes to make your brain to segment your brain in that way and be able to like a b switch through those segments Mm -hmm. uh is very hard it's very and it's really mentally draining but I'll tell you what it doesn't matter because it's worth it. <laughs> it's it's totally worth it. Um, and certainly certainly there's a lot of stress that comes along with it, which is what we're going to be talking about next week. Oh, is dealing with that a, stress. What a,
1: what a lead in right there.
0: <laughs> One of these days will stop calling me out like I'm reading off a sheet of paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll be talking about stress and dealing with some of that stuff that comes along with growing and growth, uh, which are uh, which is definitely really cool to have happen. But. I think that this has been fruitful. I agree. And soon we'll be talking to some folks who aren't us.
1: Guest number one is coming soon.
0: We should find that person.
1: (laughs) 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 All right, Adam, I will see you next week. (laughs) All right, Ryan, see you later.